Man Talk at Cottage Hill podcast is part of the men's ministry of Cottage Hill Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome to this week's episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to this episode of the Man Talk podcast at Cottage Hill. I am Director of ministry, Men's Ministries here at Cottage Hill, Kyle Wiley. And I'm here with Pastor Ronnie Big Mac McCarson. <laughs> and you are in for a treat today. Yes, they'll be blessed. They will be blessed. <laughs> so just prepare yourself. Um, uh, never know. Yeah, we never know what's going to happen. But <laughs> with Ronnie, we got some stories coming up and some good stuff. But Ronnie, say hey and just kind of give us a rundown of growing up, where you grew up, all that stuff real quick. Well, I was a little bitty child one time. No, I'm sorry. Once when no, I was a bitty child. Once I was small, uh, way back then in the day. Uh, no, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. I am a Duke Blue Devil basketball fan, which um, during basketball season, I can rise and shine. Um, also an Alabama football fan, so I've got the best of both worlds, really. So um, anyway, grew up in North Carolina. Um I uh, grew up going to church. So I have uh, two brothers and two sisters, so there were five of us, and um, uh, grew, grew up in the church. My mother was the church children's choir director. My dad was a deacon. Uh, my grandparents, I was very fortunate to have two have two sets of grandparents, one on each spectrum of the financial status, one that was... Uh, uh, one set, my mom's parents were tobacco farmers in uh, Wendell, North Carolina, and uh, farm, slopping the pigs, uh, you know, horses, uh, tractors, loved it as a kid, man. It was just, uh, dude, it was just a fun place to go to. My other set of grandparents were my dad's, and they owned a uh, three-story furniture store in downtown Durham. Oh, wow. So that was my indoor fort so if i ever got in trouble i'd just go on one of the levels and hide and and you know but uh, so i had the best of both worlds uh you know one was a little bit more affluent uh, than the others and uh, had a little bit more money than the others but uh you know i learned both sides of the spectrum on living and what really matters and so um did well you know i've always been seeing we have a singing family we have a musical family Everything was going along fine. 1968, my granddaddy died, and, and uh, uh, my grandmother wanted my dad to take the furniture store and continue it on, and he just didn't want those headaches that, you know, come with financing your own stuff and mm-hmm. having to go repossess stuff, you know, and other things. So anyway, so in uh, I think it was early '70, I believe it was maybe. Uh, I was working in a shoe store in the basement of a shoe store, and I, uh, my, the owner of the shoe store came down in the basement, and, she, and I was marking shoes, and she came up to me and said, I'm so sorry to hear your mom and dad are getting a divorce. And um, I looked at her like, oh, really? You know, and she looked back at me realizing that I didn't have a wow. clue that I, I had not been told yet. And so... A lady in a shoe store told me my parents were getting a divorce. Uh, that was the first word I'd heard about it. So anyway, make a long story short, uh, that did happen. So my parents divorced in the late 60s, early 70s when it wasn't cool, uh, when divorce wasn't so popular. 
And, uh, you know, my mother continued to go to church. And, and you know, sometimes the church can be tough on people going through a divorce, and especially a single mom bringing her kids to church, so forth. Dad moved to Alabama, um, and two years later, two and a half years later, he remarried and uh, just recently lost my stepmom who raised me. I moved to Alabama to be with a dad. I just felt like I needed to be with my dad. And uh, so she raised me from... 14 on and he my dad was married to her for 35 years he was married or 38 years she was, he was married to my mom for 25 so anyway i was blessed to have two moms that that loved me uh, you know it's good it's it's wonderful when you have one mother that loves you but i was blessed in that it was a positive thing i mean that's not always that way for kids who go through broken homes that they don't jail with the new uh new uh, dad or mom, but I was blessed in the fact she took me in as one of her own. So, um, anyway, that, that, that was a lot of stuff. Uh, but anyway, that's, uh, so I, I, that's how I ended up, ended up in Coleman, Alabama, which where my dad was center of his territory okay. and, uh, actually started working for him, selling carpet, uh, in the, and I was in the state of Tennessee at 18 years old. And, uh, I worked at that for a year and a half until God called me in the ministry uh, and, uh, did well with it, but I just felt like I needed to do what God's called me to do. And, uh, and it was going to music ministry and so forth. And I started cold Turkey with music and always could sing, but just didn't know the notes or anything. So started then. And, uh, okay. so I've been in the ministry now for 40, 43, 44 years now. So what happened? Like you're selling carpet, Tennessee. How do you... Go to seminary, any, yeah, anything okay. like that. So uh, during, when I came to, uh, so I was raised in church. So when I moved to Alabama, I found nobody was going to church in the house but me. Uh-huh. And so at 14, I was getting up by myself. Really, I may have been 15 or by the time. Anyway, I had a permit to ride a motorcycle. Okay. So okay. I I would go to church just because I missed it. And, and all the kids that were in high school, I went started in the 10th grade. Uh, at Coleman High School, and all those kids were going to church, mm-hmm. and so I had them invite me to their church. And so on Sunday mornings, I was the only one getting up by myself, going by myself. And uh, so I missed it, you know. Nobody else, you know, it was just wasn't the thing to do in the house anymore. But I missed it, so I kept going. And I really think that I really think God's hand was in, even though look back, looking back on it, I wished. Maybe I had stayed with my mom, you know, in some form or fashion, but I'm not sure everything would have turned out the way it did. Right. So I think really God brought me to a place where I realized that I needed to be in church. And so uh, it wasn't long before I started going by myself. And and then uh, through being in youth choirs and all that experience, uh, uh, and then going on the road, uh, selling carpet, while I was in motel rooms at nighttime, I would write songs or and having my Bible study time and so forth, and God just kept, and I, life just kept getting more miserable, miserable for me. Uh, and and I knew that that's what was going on, that he was calling me, but I just, mm-hmm. you know, it took me a while to say yes because I had to quit work for my earthly father right. before I could go to work for my heavenly father. So, uh, and that was a tough thing. I knew it was the right thing, but it was tough to, because dad really wanted me to kind of take over sure. that stuff. and. So I quit immediately, started going to Wallace State Junior College in Hanksville, Alabama, okay. and then transferred to Sanford and finished there, and then from there went straight to, uh, while I was there, I served at, in, in Coleman, I served at First Baptist Church for about three months, 
starting just to be an assistant to the minister of music, went to Eastside Baptist Church, which actually was the biggest church in town because of their bus ministry, served as minister of senior, uh, uh, music there for four and a half years. Okay. Uh, I, they, I started off at $100 a week, and uh, for four and a half years, they couldn't find anybody else to work for $100 a week, so they wanted me to stay. And I think I got up to 125 maybe. But I was going to school, too, and uh, then I transferred uh, to... Uh, Birmingham to finish at Sanford, served at Fultonville First Baptist Church, and then as soon as I graduated from Sanford, I headed to North Carolina to go to cemetery. So, cemetery. Yeah. Well, I call it a cemetery. But so, so, southeast. Yeah, southeastern. And uh, that was a, during the days where, you know, you know, it was, it, we were going through all this stuff in the convention, and I knew I was taking a chance going up there. But I was already grounded and gave me a chance to go home and be with my parents, my you know, mom and yeah. family, and I'm so glad I did. I, I was, it was a positive experience for me. Awesome. Yeah. So, how did. How did you come to know the Lord? In the middle of all this, mm-hmm. church-going family, mm-hmm. and then strife, and how did the Lord just have his hand upon you and lead you? Well, and a little kid, when, every, when you're going to church, everybody, you know, you, you watch what your buddies do. Right. You know, I was nine years old, and, uh, you know, that was back in the day when you had week-long revivals, or sometimes you'd go long and that, so forth. But anyway, um, some of my friends were getting baptized, and I thought that'd be cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, yeah, Timmy's getting, getting, the, get, getting the water, man. And so, uh, anyway, I walked down the aisle one Sunday morning and said I invited Jesus into my heart, and nobody asked me anything. That's just because I was Carl and Cleo's son. They just assumed that I knew what I was doing. And uh-huh. uh, I was baptized and all that other stuff, and it was not until I was in my, in my first church serving that Junior Hill... Uh, one of the evangelists, my favorite evangelist of all time. I mean, other than Billy Graham, but Junior Hills from Alabama, Hartsville, Alabama, and he—he—he's uh, one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. But anyway, he pre- came and preached to preached at our church at Eastside and Coleman, and and uh, dude, he—he—he was getting on ministers of music real bad for using the illustrations of ministers of music for some reason. Uh, and and, and, and uh, he was just looking at he the was floor. Just looking, yeah, yeah, he was looking at the floor. You know, he wouldn't look at me, but anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> And I knew right then that that's I had not totally surrendered my life to Christ. I needed to do that, I, I, and and I wanted to do that. But pride kept me from making the decision during that service. I was sitting there going, "There's 700 people, uh, you know, who know you, who know me, and they were on the radio and all this other stuff. And what are they going to think and all that other stuff?" And I was in Sanford at the time, and so. Um, Anyway, I, I didn't make a decision that, and I met with one of our uh, pastors that night and told him what was going on. He said, "I just, you need to go ahead and nail this down, and I pray that you won't even go to school, that you'll get it right before you go to school." Well, I didn't listen to him either, so I went on to school the next day. But I, <laughs> but I don't remember anything my professor said that day. Okay. On that Monday, and Monday night, in a little apartment, Odom Lane, next to Sanford University, got down on my knees and said, "God, you know why I'm here." You know, Nat, Meredith, Natalie had just been born, I think, and uh, and we were in those little apartments, and, and I said, uh, you know, I surrendered to you and gave my heart to him, and I've never looked back. I mean, been perfect. I'm not perfect by a long shot, and um, but I'm so glad it was. I weigh enough as it is, but like that time, it was like all that weight was lifted off. You know, yeah. so yeah. So, so that's that's kind of my spiritual journey, and it's like, and it's a journey. It continues to be a journey. Sure. You know. So you just alluded to it with mentioning Natalie. Tell us about your family, how you guys got together. Not Natalie, but 
Well, tell us well, about Natalie, but how you and Mary Well, we found together. Natalie at a blue light special at Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> so, she was saying, no, 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 I'm, oh, golly, uh, that'll come back to bite me. But anyway, um, yeah, we were at Fultondale um, serving for about two and a half years there uh, before I went to cemetery. And um, uh, Natalie came along, and uh, Cindy was working at uh, Spain Rehab in Birmingham. She was an occupational therapist at the time. And uh, so, but we, so Natalie was born in 83. I think it was, yeah. And uh, so then Meredith came along in 87, I believe it was. So we have two girls. Uh, we have uh, Natalie teaches at O'Rourke Elementary. Woohoo! And uh, she has been there for 13 or 14 years now. She's had her first senior to come back and, and see her after they graduate from oh, high school. So that was, oh. that was, you know, that's when you know you're old. You know, of course, I'm seeing this around here with uh, being here this long. And then, uh, Meredith is up in Nashville, Nash Vegas. Uh, she's up there working for Sony, and she's a, a promotions man. She works with DJs. Uh, her job is, uh, she works for the Provident label, which is the Christian label of Sony. Uh, do the movies uh -huh. uh, as well, and uh, music as well. And so uh, she calls the DJs, let them know when new, new songs come out, and she tries to get them to play Sony's artist songs on the rotation, and yeah. that's kind of how they... Is selling without selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And building relationships with those uh, DJs. And she's a relational person. I mean, dude, she, you know, that's what she's about is people. And uh, so she's doing good at it. You know, so awesome. Cindy, we've been married for uh, 40, ah, Cindy, uh, 41 years. Now, how did uh, that, how did that happen? Uh, she felt sorry for me. Okay. Okay. But that was at Sanford? But, <laughs> she just saw you and was like, oh, that poor boy. No, we actually went to church together okay. at First Baptist Coleman. And, uh. I had dated another girl all the way through high school and and never dreamed that Cindy, and we sang in the ensemble together, all this stuff, but she was just okay. knockout gorgeous. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, she just was. And she was our fair queen representative for the high school and all this stuff, you know. And uh, I just never dreamed she'd even consider going out with me, and I was dating this other girl at the time. And I found out through the grapevine, I reckon I expressed interest in her and she expressed interest in me. And we, the last year of high school, I mean, the, the, the last few months of high school, we started dating. And, okay. uh, and so we actually went to the prom with different people because we'd already promised. Oh. These, you know, so anyway. But anyway, so. Just as friends. Yeah, just, just as friends. Because I'm friends, actually going to date. Friends are friends forever. I'm going to uh, dance with this girl <laughs> instead. But yeah. here's your, you're looking at the other one while you're dancing. Yeah. I, I got chewed out for that too. Here's your massage. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so. 41 years she's been a pastor's wife and she's done a great job today it's her birthday i ain't gonna tell you which day it is because i don't know when this comes out but anyway she's uh and uh, we'll have our anniversary in just just uh just a couple more days so uh, she's she's very cool. she's precious love her so awesome yeah well happy birthday thank you man thank, thank be her, a few days be a few days after her. but no her our anniversary's coming up so, yeah. yeah happy yeah. anniversary cindy happy birthday yeah. when you hear this it'll thank be belated you. but yeah all as well. Yeah. So tell us how you came, how you guys came to Cottage Hill. Things are rocking and rolling. You were at Montgomery by mm -hmm. this time, mm -hmm. and then you get the big call. Yeah. Uh, big. They're all big, <laughs> brother. When the Lord's in them, they're all big. Go right? to the bullpen. Here we the go. church may be smaller, but they're all big calls because yep. you have to take your root, your, unroot your family, root them up, and move them to the new location. And uh, yep. but you know, ministry started out, you know, in Coleman, then. From Coleman to Birmingham, Birmingham to North Carolina, the cemetery up there, and then after seminary, came back to Enterprise and served at Hillcrest Baptist Church in Enterprise for about seven and a half years, 
And then for, uh, and then while I was there, I was doing music full time. So I, was, I loved music. So, but it got to the point where I was saying, what else more can I do? I mean, it's kind of like shooting fireball, fire bombs off in church or, or directing an orchestra. And, you know, and I just said, and, and so I, um, our education guy left and this was I, in the eighties. This is the eighties. Yeah. 86 okay. is when I went to, uh, to enterprise for Hillcrest enterprise. 87, our education guy left, and he had senior adults in education, and they asked me if I would uh, take over the senior adults. Well, I did music and senior adults, and I just fell in love with the uh, the senior adult part. And I, you know, and I think it's because my grandmother was so uh, special to me when my parents were going through a divorce. You know, it was just kind of my safe haven kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, I would always uh, always love people, and 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 it was just a natural. I loved it, and I said I could see myself doing this ministering to senior adults later in my ministry. I was having lunch with a guy. Yes, I could see myself doing this, you know. Yeah. And uh, three months later, that guy was having lunch with one of the staff members at Heritage Baptist in Montgomery, and they were looking for a senior adult minister. So three months after I made that statement, God opened the door for me to start. And it was there was only two or three of us at the, in the state that were ministers, full-time ministers, senior adult. Gotcha. So uh, we loved Enterprise. Golly, it was a great place to raise kids and great church. And But boy, whew, that was a tough move. But I just felt like this is this is what God would want me to do. And so uh, we left. And so from 1993 until present, I have been working strictly with senior adults. And I've always worked with them through choir. Sure. But so 93, how many years is that now? What, what? It's 2020, but 2020 has already been what seven years. It feels Nine, like it's been seven years yeah, long. So, so, like, so 20, 27 years, thirty four if you add all of 2020. Well, it's, well, anyway, <laughs> it's been a long yeah, time. It's been a long time. But I've been twenty seven years. But I, work, I have been working with the chronologically gifted. Yes, we don't we don't say senior adults anymore. <laughs> they either like No, we don't gifted. ever say senior adults anymore. They don't like that. Especially boomers don't like that. But. Uh, we say either 55 plus or we say chronologically gifted. See, so. we, we had a church in McKinney back in Dallas, or Texas, that there was an entire church. Mm, of chronologically gifted people? They didn't allow you in if you were under the age of 55. <laughs> oh, God. It Woo. was a church for 55. Geriatric church. And better. <laughs> the youth group went up to like the age of 70. Like, oh my God! They're having lock-ins. Youth choir, youth choir, yeah, youth choir at seventy years old. Well, that's about what they are when you take them off somewhere. They're wild, so you know they're just older youth is what they are. Exactly. So, yeah. Freedom. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you don't have any stories to tell us here in a few minutes oh, no. about that. Mm-hmm. So, no. yeah. So you've been here. How long have you been at Cottage Hill? Be, I'll start my twentieth year in August. Twenty years mm-hmm. at Cottage Hill. What are some of the the just Best things that you've seen. Let's start with the best things, and then maybe we'll do maybe some of the funniest things God, too. But. You know, um, I mean, you see the Lord I see moving, God, working. I see, you know, crazy. The, the thing about this church, and the, the one thing I, I love about this church is they everybody's welcome here. Now we have gone through a metamorphosis, okay, since I've been here. Not everything was hunky dory, and during a season of the life of the church, I think the best thing that I've experienced here is the metamorphosis. Because um, we have, we went through a time when we had a $13 million debt with 650 people here. 
thirteen million dollars. That was a time when we didn't even know if we were gonna get a paycheck. They had to cut our retirement out, a ten percent pay cut. But I just had this uh, calm assurance that it was gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. My ministry got cut in half in two weeks during those tough times. I had half the amount in two weeks, half of them left. But what I would have missed if I left, I would have missed seeing what God could do and what how faithful he was when they were, we were left for dead. Mm-hmm. That how faithful he was. We never missed a payment on this building. Uh, we never missed a paycheck. Uh, a lot of things that were promised to us have been restored during us all this. The church is back and healthy. We actually have two more campuses now. I would have missed all that if I had have left and, and, and ran to another church in the midst of all that we went through. So that was the biggest thing. I, I and, and and that's a hard thing, but to me, ministry wise, I will always remember that and share that with people as far as don't ever count out what God can do. Right. And in, in, in adversity. Well, the and, restoration. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rest you restoration know. and and just the love that we have now and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, you know, I'm not saying God won't move me anywhere, but I, I love serving here. We've got a wonderful staff. I'm the old man now, and uh, me and Greg. And, and so uh, my role kind of around here now is kind of a mentor to the younger guys, you know. And uh, they'll come in here and sit in here and talk and over and so forth. But, uh, but uh, you're talking about other things. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, being in, being in music program, you know, the quartet, I loved the quartet, the years that we had that, and hopefully maybe one year we'll start that back up. Um, I like all kinds of music, so, it, you know, it, you know, the contemporary stuff's not quite my bag, but it's, you know, I, I like, I, I, I can do all of it, you know. I just don't look good doing, <laughs> doing contemporary. Uh, the old guys up there trying to be groovy, you know. But, uh, but anyway, but, you know, just seeing baptisms every week here, um, Lonnie and all those guys, and, and just the Josh, and, you know, we every once in a while we'll see a senior adult that comes along and accepts Christ, you know, and, and we don't ever take that for granted. Um, but seeing God, the hand of God on this place for 20 years now, never left. He never left. Right. People might have, but God never left. And uh, so it's it's been a rich, rich experience. What's one story from just your ministry that has made you just say thank you, Lord? Mm. Aside from the the restorative things that you've seen when it comes to the church, but just personally, your friendships and and things like that. Well, I'm going to take you out of the friendship. I'm going to take you out of the church. But my wife, Mm -hmm. um, we, we were talking before this about the big joke about First Baptist Dallas called me to asked me to send in a resume in 2011, and I didn't know anybody there. I don't know where all that came from, but in in that process, I never sent out a resume or anything. In that process, uh, Cindy came down with cancer, uh, multiple myeloma, and uh, we had to make a decision whether she was going to get her treatment here or whether we were going to go to Little Rock, where there was a just for multiple myeloma hospital that Sam Walton went to, Walmart. And we had to make a decision. I didn't ever want her to wonder what it would have been like to go up there. And so I was willing, if the church would not work with me, I was willing to, 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 to resign if they needed me to, to take her or to put her up in Little Rock. And so, but the church 
was so beautiful to me and so, just whatever you need to do. And uh, during that time, and so for seven months, she lived in Little Rock and uh, having treatments. She had Sam Walton's doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Barlegi, and but when we went up there for the diagnosis, he said, and I have it on a recording on one of the CDs right here, uh, that she has three years to live with treatment. That that's 2012. Hmm. So my biggest uh, thing that I'm thankful for is God just proving himself strong in that. And, and I don't understand why he doesn't do it in every situation, why he does sure. something like that. That's some of the mysteries that pastors can't answer that. But all I know is he chose to spare her life and she's been cancer free. Uh, she is in what they call stringent remission uh, really now for four or five years now. Wow. So from 2012 until for eight years, uh, she had a double back-to-back trans stem cell transplant all the chemo, lost all the hair. I went all through that, and uh, through all that, God just uh, I had help from church members, had help from her sisters that came and lived with her. I'd go up every three weeks or so, and two weeks or whatever it was. And, but that's the biggest thing. Mm. In the midst of that, I knew I couldn't do ministry. If I internalized that, I couldn't do what I needed to do and be with her or or support her and that's when you know we talk about giving your burdens to the Lord cast your cares upon him his burden yoke is easy his burden is light problem is we don't ever give it to him well that one I did because I can I I ain't saying I didn't pull over on the side of the road a couple times and had a boohoo because you know and it's okay for men to cry uh but I just didn't understand it uh, why and so forth but it wasn't me to for me to understand is for me to trust God. Sure. So I gave it to him. My daughters really thought because I was so almost nonchalant about it, they didn't understand why I was acting that way. And I said, you know, I've told people for years in this ministry, give your cares, give your burdens to Christ, and I'm not going to do it. I said, it's all his. It's his cancer, not mine. Okay. And so when I, that freed me up to do ministry and minister my wife too. So that's that's the biggest thing. There's so many things, experience, stories I could tell you, but getting a chance to work with this generation is just unbelievable. I mean, this these are the kind of the last of the Mohicans. I mean, mm. they grew up in church. Uh, they minister to me as much as I minister to them. And just like you and I, before we, while we were getting ready to record this, I get a call that someone in our church has died. Yeah. And I'm having prayer with the widow on the phone. I never know when it's coming. And even during the COVID time, we lost probably five, four to five church members during that time. Good ones like, you know, I mean, just this. And, and the thing is about that, you know, we've lost some good like Jerry Cornelius, John Singley, uh, and, and these others that are so good. And and, and and I know the commitment level. I just pray the commitment level will be the same, but I'm, I'm not sure it will be ever be the same because we live in a different time now. Right. And so many things pulling at it's us. It's changed so much. Techie and all that stuff. And, and these people didn't grow up that way. So. Uh, it hurts. Uh, I have to take myself out of the situation when I do funerals. Yeah. Uh, it's tough, but um, but I know where they're at, and it's going to be a good reunion one day. So yeah, you know, I take comfort in that. So, so since we're talking, since we talked about COVID nineteen mm-hmm. and the pandemic and so many things going on right now in the world that we live in, how if you were to encourage someone 
in the ministry here, but also just if, if they're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. with what you have walked through mm-hmm. and just entrusting this to the Lord, entrusting these things to the Lord, laying them at His feet, how mm-hmm. would you encourage someone? To do well, that? and it's funny you say that. I was sitting there thinking and just pop right in. In Coleman, Alabama, uh, in a little cemetery called uh, uh, Center Grove Baptist Church, there's a cemetery by there. Cindy's mom and dad are buried there. And in the ministry, you never know where you're going to end up, you know, because God, God's in control. You're not. You're, you, I mean, you can, but you can be disobedient. But, uh, but uh, we have to decide where we're going to be buried. And I tell my senior adults, and I tell everybody listening to this podcast, you better have your stuff in order because you're not promised tomorrow. I don't care if you're 30, 40, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, you need to make sure you have your will. You need to make sure you have your, you know, I don't care what age you are. You still need to have it. And uh, had medical directive, all this other stuff. And so um, anyway, we made a decision we're going to be buried in the same cemetery that her mom and dad are in. So we're in the little country church, Center Grove Baptist Church. There's a, there's a tombstone. There's a headstone that has Ronnie and Cindy McCarson mm-hmm. sitting there right now. And on the back of that, you know, and you, you put scripture on your tombstones a lot of times because you want to, and most of them John three sixteen. but I've got to think, I'm thinking the people that are walking by, it's not for the dead, it's for the living. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is our special verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's all I can say to people. I mean, you know, John three sixteen. yes, salvation, but living the life if you don't trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your mind, all your strength, all that, and give it to Him. Don't lean on what you try to understand. Right. This world, boy, whew, is it not messed up right now. And all it will has been since sin's been on the picture. But if you'll trust Him with all your heart and all your mind and, and, and don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways, think what He would do. You ask for your His wisdom, His discernment, let him guide you. I, you know, I w- if I had my way about it, I would still be in Eastside Baptist Church in Coleman, Alabama, still serving at the first church that I ever served at because I loved the people there. I yeah. loved them, but that wasn't God's plan. When Fred Wolf served here for 25 years uh, or 30 years, however long, and Charles Wood, my mentor that I, I tried to follow here, uh, these guys stay here. Bob Thornton, who's 25 years, these guys that stay here are so, I wished I, I had that. You know, now I've been here 20 years, so I'm, I'm blessed to, uh, that, that, you know, I pay them now to keep me on staff. But anyway, <laughs> good. The ch- that's why the church's finances are so good. I'm paying them. To, to ch- <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, but, um, but that wasn't God's plan for my ministry, that he used me, he moved me when my gifts were needed at that church. Right. And I can look back at each time now. And even when I was, I mean, I've been at a church that ran 99 in seminary. Mm-hmm. They needed me because the, the situation with the pastor there was not that great. And I came alongside him, tried to encourage him. And we had some growth a little bit during those days and so forth. That was for a season, moved me to Enterprise to, I think, to introduce me to senior adult ministry in the midst of music. Went to Montgomery uh, and experiencing adults full-time and had a chance to sing with a wonderful group of guys in a quartet and then for the last 20 years now almost uh, to have the joy of, of, of serving the people project if along that line if I had a not said yes mm-hmm. 
to what he was calling me to do. It, it wasn't for gain. It was you go where God calls you to go, no matter what the, the pay is or whatever. You don't go for that. Granted, you you know you have to take care of your family, but sure. But the whole point is being obedient to be able to uproot from where you at and from people that you love and going. I'd have missed the joy of the journey in all of those churches. I I love every one of them, and not every minister can say this, but I can go back to every church from the first one that I started at to currently this one, and I have people who who love me, you know, yeah. and I love them. You know, it's been a joy. It's been a, it continues to be a joy. Yeah. Well, not to be, not to be macabre or anything like that, but with your role here mm -hmm. and your heart for senior ministry, but also just as a lot of us have had to face the idea of death mm -hmm. and with COVID-19 and all those things, how has death affected how you look at ministry? And not just ministry, but also just how you give life away in the uh, you know, I've never buried as many people as I've buried since I've been here. Mm -hmm. I've never had to do as many funerals as I did before I moved here. Um, working with each family during the grieving process is different. Sometimes you don't know what to say when Robbie died, you know, in quartet and so forth. Even after he died and so forth, I, I didn't know what to say. He was like my son. He was like, you know, yeah. uh, and we loved the same things and da-da-da-da. And that was one of the one of the times where I reckon I was kind of um, uh, at, at, a, at a loss for words. I'm not really ever lost for words, but but I, I think uh, the death part, the the closer you get to them, the harder it is. You know, I mean, and these senior adults, man, I love them. Um, some of them can be a feel, you know, from time to time, but most of them are, you know, did I say that? Take cut that, cut that. Um, they're not going to listen to this. <laughs> they're not listening to this anyway. Uh, it'll get out. But anyway. Uh, but, I mean, I see these, golly, these people who have been so faithful for so many years and, and, and they, when they pass away. But even when I'm talking to them about dying, they have confidence. They have, they have a calm assurance. And you've got to have confidence in your salvation experience. You've got to have a confidence in the Lord for you to say, I'm ready to go. I'm, I don't, I've had people, I have my, some of my seniors got mad because God didn't take them quicker. You know, I, I wish he'd go ahead and take me. You know. I, you know, I have to even kind of calm them down when they're wanting to die because they're ready to go to heaven and they're ready to experience what they, you know, not all of them are that way, but sure. but most of them have this peace and this calm and it's just like Miss Mary did, uh, had a had assurance and, 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 and peace and all that. It, and, you know, I, 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 I preached my dad's funeral, my, my mom's funeral, my stepmom's funeral. I sang at my granddaddy and my grandma's funeral. It... It's part of what we do, but we never get totally used to it. I, right. it. You have to take yourself out of the situation for that time, and then you grieve the best you can, you know, and you still got to go on. But um, knowing that that's going to be a great, if you if you count on the promises of God's word and what it says, it's not a it's a celebration. It's not a time when you. I mean, granted, yes, there's there's grieving, right? Because it's not the way so it's forth, supposed to be. But it's not the end. When, they, when I tell them that they, when they took their last breath here and they took their first breath there, they're waiting. You know, they're, they're, they're looking forward to that day when right. they're going to be reunited. So that takes this kind of a sting out of it, you know, and, and, and it's a ministry time. And, and I always share the gospel at every, and I know my uh, people, they've heard it for 20 years, but I always give an invitation at every funeral. 
I don't care if it's graveside or in the chapel. Yeah. These guys have got it memorized at Mobile Memorial because <laughs> I end <laughs> the same way at every uh, every time with the same illustration. Do you mind if I share it with the guys? No. Okay. I end this celebrate this this uh, every funeral service with this illustration of Billy Graham in the year two thousand. Billy Graham was um, uh, wanted to be the guy, the city leaders of Charlotte, North Carolina, wanted to honor Billy Graham at a luncheon. And in 2000, he had Parkinson's real bad, was shaking a whole lot. And he told them no, that he didn't want to draw attention to himself. And they said, well, if you'll just come and, and be there, you don't have to say anything. Just, uh, just show up. And with that understanding, he agreed to come. And so after they got through saying all these things, this is how I end the funeral. Because you're going to have Billy Bob and Bubba that will not come to a church door, but right. they may come to a funeral right. to say bye to somebody. So I used this illustration and I said, you know, and so he got up to speak. He did get up to speak after they said all these nice things. And then um, he said, uh, thank you for all these nice things he said he said about me. He said, I'm just, I don't know why, but I'm reminded of a story about Albert Einstein. In the year 2000, Albert Einstein was Time Magazine's Man of the Century. It wasn't Time Magazine's Man of the Year or the Man of the Decade. He was Time Magazine's Man of the Century. He said uh, Albert Einstein was on a train going to Princeton, and the young conductor came down the aisle, and he was punching tickets, and he got to Dr. Einstein, and Dr. Einstein looked all over himself and couldn't find his ticket. So the young conductor said, hey, Dr. Einstein, we know who you are, man. We're so pumped you're on the train. Uh, our people are excited that you're on the train. We, we know who you are. And we know you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And he nodded to that little conductor. He went on down the aisle, got ready, to go, almost in the next car, turned around and looked. And here he saw Time Magazine's Man of the Century down on his hands and knees on the floor. So he runs back down the aisle. And he, the young conductor said, Dr. Einstein, listen, we, we know we know you, you bought a ticket. We know who you are. We're so glad you're on our train. And so I just, don't worry about that ticket. We know who you are. You, we know you bought a ticket. And he looked at that young man, too, at that time, and he said, young man, he said, uh, I, too, know who I am. I just don't have a clue where I'm going. So, usually, you get a snicker like you just gave, you know, or, or laughter. Right. And uh, then I but. said, but, then you have, so Billy Graham says, you know, uh, after he said that, I don't have a clue where I'm going. He said, you see this suit I'm wearing today? He said, my old crusade suits have gotten torn and tattered. And Ruth, who was living at the time, the, they made me go out and buy a new suit. And he said, this suit is for this occasion and one other. Because this is a suit I'll be buried in. He said, but when you hear I'm dead and gone, I don't, I don't want you to think about this suit. I want you to remember this. Not only do I know who I am, but I know then that just kind of puts everybody what this funeral is all about for a child of God. Do yeah. you know where you're going? And I've had many people accept Christ with that illustration. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to follow up on them like, you know, I, I want to and baptize them like I want to. But God knows in heaven, you know, you know I hope I see them there. But, um, but he's used that story. And so that's how I end everything. Funeral. I know our people have it memorized, but I just feel like it brings them from one from almost a laughter to, who, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa, you know, and and uh, you, you'd be surprised how many ministers do not give the gospel out at the very end of that.
being cut off. So they just say some nice words. No, yeah, I think God will hold us accountable. <laughs> here's a nice story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a good person. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because that's yeah. the gospel in yeah. so many yeah. and churches. The, that, and, no, Jesus, and, Jesus, and Jesus loves us. And, you know, Jesus pray. loves all yeah. of us. Be a good person. And let's pray. I think it's the greatest opportunity to share the gospel. Other than being in church, I think it's a great opportunity because you'll get some people there. That I, I've, I've been in funerals. You won't believe this. I've been in funerals where they had beer in the <laughs> guys had to open beers in the place. And buddy, I still, you know, you know. I've done weddings where yeah. that was the case. <laughs> I did a wedding one time that they had already had their mm. um, Renaissance fair wedding. Yeah. yeah. And so I needed to do the official wedding. Yeah. And I had a guy. Cheers, Pastor Mike. <laughs> hey, Cheers all right. Hang, hang on. Give me give me five minutes, and then you can get back to it. Just hang on. But, yeah. I just, oh, my gosh. There's some crazy stuff that happens. But, I mean, you're Bubba and, yeah. you know, those guys. Yeah. Well, I don't go to church, but my church is, my church is the deer blind. Yeah. I'm out there. Yeah, I'm out there, God and nature. And, and, yeah, nature. but you, you have that story. Mm-hmm. And you share the gospel, and mm-hmm. the spirit just oh, yeah. smacks them. It's and uh, you know, and so, uh, but it's, a, it's such a joy to to serve here. I got we got a great staff, we really do, and mm-hmm. uh, we're not perfect, but uh, I'm just I'm glad I've been here all these years just to see. You know, you think of Jim Robinson, and you think of Charles Wood, you think of all these others that have come before me, but I mean, some of them gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, Bob Thornton, others that are uh, here, still here, and and supportive and so forth but um you know and another thing that floats my boat is being able to see senior adults come to know the lord you know mm-hmm. brian's daddy my son-in-law daddy i didn't deer hunt until i moved here i didn't know i you know something stupid enough to walk out i'm stupid enough to shoot it so <laughs> uh but i didn't know what i was doing but da- brian's daddy didn't know the lord and so my job was to go deer hunting to witness to him on the hour long drive to to jackson and so for two years i witnessed to him and i get him to a certain point you know and and uh, he would talk about the other people that he knew that was at the church and you know, so forth. Anyway, one Sunday, man, he came down with his eyes, just tears pouring out of his eyes. And he was saved, and, and, and that was just worth it. That was my prize book. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, that was a, that was a, that was a, a great uh, Sunday. But you know, every once in a while, the Lord will, because not all senior adults are saved, and so I, I realized that. And. Uh, uh, that's our my goal is not only just senior adults but to try to be a witness to, to everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Shifting gears. Okay. Ministry stuff aside, what are some joys in your life right now? Your grandfather, oh, father. Oh yeah. But what are some what are some other things that are just? You know, it's it's weird. I, I mean, the grands the grands are. You know, I, I'm um, I'm just a people person. I love to be around people. I I, I used to play golf, but I don't hadn't played. Much so, so stinking hot down here. Yeah, I'm not a beach person, so you know God had to call me down here. I am not. I'm a hot natured big boy. Okay, and so it had to be <laughs> give God. Me the mountains. Yeah, yeah, give me the mountains. You know, yeah. and uh, so I'm not a beach person. I love to go and watch other people burn, but uh, you know, I mean, just <laughs> you know, but I just don't care anything. You know, but I mean, it's, I love to listen to the sound and sit underneath the shade and somewhere. You know, sure. But going fishing, and I'm actually in the process of selling my boat because I don't ever get, a, I don't ever take the time to go. I mean, that's probably my downfall is I don't take the time off that I need to take off, and I've wanted to get better at it. But just as like this, when I have, 
my wife's birthday today, but you get notified somebody died, and you you know have to minister, you do the ministry and so forth, and right. and we know that it's part of the ministry, but um, you know joys of just being around people, having great times with people, singing, you know. Uh, I don't have big hobbies, you know. One day, maybe if I ever retire, which I don't never, I don't ever think I would retire. I'd like to make things and try to learn more. That and I love be hanging around these guys that are doing mission projects because I get a chance to see a little bit of how to do some stuff. So that's neat, you know. And uh, our Caleb men's group that has started a fifty for just kind of designed for fifty five plus men. We just started back and and uh, <clears throat> just talking about some maybe some issues or principles that would apply to later in life and that's been going pretty well but um eating with people i love to eat you can tell that but i've expanded my ministry since i've been here and you know <laughs> so favorite places yeah. in mobile to eat yep oh dude uh cravers is good seafood um oh golly uh yeah, yeah there's all good seafood places i don't just say cravers but they, they're sure all. uh you know i like i like meat and threes you know i love judy's i love cracker barrel you know I eat pizza. I, there's not a whole lot I don't eat. You know, um, I'm not a big connoisseur about um, paying twelve dollars for a biscuit or something. There's some place downtown. All the guys talk about going down there and get a biscuit. That you know, by the time you get it, it's like twelve bucks. Something about Maple Street. Maple Street. Yeah, dude. I don't care. You know, if for twelve dollars, I'm gonna get something that's got some, you know, some meat on it. Oh you yeah. Know? And uh, well, you get some meat. You yeah. get a little chicken medallion. Oh, <laughs> Meatballs. So I, I got raspberry put in, compote. Yeah, yeah, I got to put Benny in. A, <laughs> Benny here. Benny Hen. Benny. No, Benny. Not Benny, Benny Hen. Not Benny Hen. <laughs> Although Benny Hen's, Benny Hen's getting some. That's right. But, he's having some heart change. Yeah, Benny, no. Benny got some good barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> Benny Hen. <laughs> Benny, <laughs> Benny Hen barbecue. Benny Hen barbecue. Yes. <laughs> blessed be the barbecue. Um, but anyway. But, you know, I just enjoy. I, you know, love going with, you know. Going on trips with the seniors is kind of like doing youth work all over again. Right. You know, I put the tape on the outside of the doors so that, you know, <laughs> they don't get in each other's room. I don't care. They're so We're old. caught on video. Listen, I don't doing care. This. Listen, yeah, if they get in each other's room, I don't care. I'm going to bed. I, I'm too old to even work. <laughs> but we do have a great time. And uh, it's, a, it's a great, great ministry to be in. It's, it's tough when you lose them. But the whole point is what we say on this wall right here. We're trying to prepare them to. To finish well, we want him to finish well. That's Charles Wood's picture, by the way. These guys can't see it, but his family gave that to me. So Thomas Kincaid, but finish well. You know, I want them because when I stand over their bodies or their caskets and so forth, I want to say they finished well. And, and I, if I had a little part in helping them that way, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. You know, that's what I want to do. You know, so. mm-hmm. Well, on that note, and the idea of finishing well, and mm-hmm. I mean, really just wanting to give life away to the very end. But in these last couple months, as pandemic, quarantine, all that, a lot of us have had a lot of time to be contemplative, spend time in prayer, spend time just thinking about the things of the Lord. But what is one particular thing that the Lord has made more clear to you in the last couple weeks, last couple months, you know, it's a tough one. I, I mean, there's several things, but you know, I asked our men in our first meeting, Caleb meeting yesterday, what how has it affected you? Because these guys have been through world wars. This this is this this time has been an enemy that you cannot see. Right. And somebody told me about this, uh, and one of the guys came up to me after our study yesterday, or our, our time together yesterday. And he said, 
he said the pam pandemic is kind of like salvation or <clears throat> some a lost person. Uh, I'm, I'm hopefully I get this right here. You may have COVID, but you uh, th there are no signs that you have. You may be infected, but you you don't have any signs that you are. Uh, he was just talking about people who are lost without Christ. They don't. A lot, most of them don't know right. that they're lost. And so, um, for us to be able to share with them and 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 to provide ways that we can uh, lead them to Christ, I can't remember exactly how he put it. It was so neat. It was like a, you, you don't know that you have it, but you, you know you can't see it from the outside. But it, yeah, maybe that's it. You can't see it from the outside, but it's on the inside. So, you know, whether you don't have him and it's not on the inside, but if you do have him and you people can't tell you're any different from anybody else. Uh, so I, I think during this time, I think, uh, and I think, you know, we've been able to reach more people being on the Internet and stuff than we ever dreamed before. I mean, I'm, I, I have this little Bible study on my Facebook page on Sunday mornings, uh, just really for senior adults, but now I'm running three to four hundred, which is more than I run, you know, on Sunday mornings sometimes. And. And so it's reach, it's reaching some people that may, and I don't know who they are because I don't have I'm not on the church thing, so I can't tell where they're coming from. But I, I'm just saying I reckon I've learned that God can use even in times like these. He can his his word and his message will never stay shut up. It'll always be proclaimed. I mean, they look what they've been trying to kill the Bible off for years. They've been trying to, you know, get rid of the Bible off and stuff for years. But it'll never. It's, his word is always going to yeah. be here, and it's always. It's just like in Proverbs. Uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to preach here. I don't have much time. But I just, I, I was teaching from the lesson the other Sunday, and um, it was like reading the newspaper uh, in in uh, Proverbs. It's in, it's in the middle of your Bible, Ronnie. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> It's in the Old Testament, Ronnie. Proverbs in the Old Testament. Put some tabs yeah, on that. Yeah, put some baby. tabs on that baby. Um, anyway, Proverbs chapter three. Uh, no, it wasn't. Proverbs chapter mm -hmm, one. Tra Proverbs chapter one, uh, beginning with uh, verse seven, talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Then it goes on down to around uh, around ten. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give it. If they say, come along with us, let us lie and wait for someone's blood. And if uh, we try to harm them, and then it talks about uh, we, we'll get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunders of stuff we've stolen. And throw it in your lot, and we'll share the common purse. You know, I mean, it was just like you know, we, were watching, we were watching some of that stuff on TV. And God's Word, it's in there, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, boy, it's, it, these are crazy times, but you know, um, God's faithful. I mean, He He it, it's not going to stop. You know, our world is full of sin, and and yes, I, but it shouldn't surprise us because the end times it talks about this how, how things are going to be crazy, and that's what's happening right now. So uh, it, it, we're just one step closer, you know, and to His return. So uh, I don't know if I had anything anything real strong there to tell you, but I mean, all of us, we you know. Spend more time with your family. Right. That's the thing that we had to. And thank goodness there wasn't any murders uh, in our church. <laughs> 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 you know, having to stay with each other. 
uh, you know, being 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 closed in and so forth, you know. But uh, but I, you know, I'm so grateful. You know, we had that time getting some things done together that you want to get done, uh, and it may I think it helped people as they came back to church. You could they missed it. Yeah, they missed it. They were glad to be back. You know, and they're still. We don't know what's going to happen. It's like that old song. Uh, you know, I don't know about tomorrow. I know who holds tomorrow. I know who holds my hand. But I, I don't know what tomorrow. We don't know what. This, right. We don't think this. We don't know if this thing's gonna pop back up or not. But but we know who holds tomorrow. Right. And we can take confidence in him. Amen. Yeah. I preach. Well, Ronnie, thank you for being with us on this episode. Hey, have you got my check ready? I do, but okay. that we'll we'll take care of that. Okay. Okay. I'm not getting small bills, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not gotten to say hey to Ronnie, you definitely need to. Of course, this is just a small example of some of the stories that he has. Um, ask him about barbecue. Ask mm. him about barbecue mm. in Prattville in yes. particular, because he'll talk for a Decatur, couple hours. Decatur, Prattville, <laughs> I can put you on food. Wherever you're going, I can put you on food. And then for other more ministry-focused ideas, get a hold of Ronnie and ask how you can volunteer, how you can help, how you can be part of the 55 and Plus ministry. Um, some of the needs they have. Anyway, Ronnie is a great, great guy to have in your life, and we are so thankful for him here at Cottage Hill, and we are thankful for you as well. So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Man Talk Podcast at Cottage Hill. We will see you next time. Thank you for joining with us on this week's episode of Man Talk Podcast at Cottage Hill. If you'd like more information on the men's ministry here at Cottage Hill Baptist Church, email chbcmen at cottagehill.org. Until next time, remember, you never walk alone.